0: Welcome to What's Ethical with Beth Haddock. Um, Today I have a very special guest, uh, Andrea Antonelli, a criminal defense attorney who has represented hundreds, if not thousands, of defendants under the Criminal Justice Act in D.C. Superior Court as well as the U.S. District um, for the District of Columbia. And Andrea and I were having a conversation about different um practices of law and governance and as a um, compliance attorney in the civil realm at one moment we had an aha moment where she said wow my criminal defense work is a lot like your compliance work inside corporate america so we thought let's have her on what's ethical and really get a sense of her 25 plus years representing Um, different defendants, how she's addressed different ethical quagmires and get some some pearls of wisdom from Andrea. So Andrea, would you share with us maybe why, when you were studying and you were thinking about how you wanted to help people with your law degree, why did you decide to go into criminal defense and maybe share with us some of the... um, some of the parts about the last quarter century, 25 years, um, that you really enjoy about your work.
1: Well, Beth, first, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, I can't say that I made a decision to do criminal defense from the beginning. I sort of fell into it because I had interned for somebody who was a judge and then later chief judge at uh, D.C. Superior Court and he suggested that I try to take these cases. So back when I started, there was really no requirements for taking these kind of cases. You could just go in and sign up with your bar number and that was all you needed. So now it is, of course, much more difficult. There's a panel that you have to get on. Um, But what have I enjoyed? I think... I really, really do enjoy uh, helping people. I think that, especially in the district because it's a special place, it's a city but also is governed, um, the prosecutorial arm is the United States Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia. So you have federal prosecutors prosecuting local crimes. Um, there is also a, a local prosecutorial arm, the Corporation Counsel's, what used to be called Corporation Counsel's office. But in any event, it's a um, it's very difficult for defendants who are arrested in DC. They can be charged either in District Court with a federal crime or with a DC crime, but again, prosecuted by the
0: same prosecutorial arm. It's so interesting because those of us in the civil section, right, of the law, helping corporations um, act ethically and abide by laws, do the same sort of thing. We call it regulatory strategy, where you're going to have different layers of laws, whether it's at the state level, if you're doing commerce across more than one state, or the federal level. And it sounds like it's it's a really interesting place to practice in the, in the District of Columbia. Now, when you... So... Andrea and I have known each other for many, many years, and I always enjoy hearing her stories. Not just because if I ever get myself in trouble, I want Andrea to help me, but also because when you hear her talk about her clients, you can tell that she's super thoughtful about um, adhering uh, to to, um, constitutional protections under the law as well as really doing the best that she can, being super client-centric. When we are talking about being client-centric and making sure that we give compliance advice that helps the business as well as we act like a gatekeeper, when Andrea is doing it, it's really high stakes because her clients are going to have their liberties taken away from them if either she doesn't get the law right, she doesn't get the balance right that a lot of lawyers or other gatekeepers need um, to make sure that they get right. So, so as I worked with Andrea, I think of you, Andrea, as someone who potentially would have some conflicts of interest. You might be representing one of your many clients and say, okay, uh, not only as an attorney, you're, you're your own citizen, right? You're your own person. And when you hit a case where you have a conflict where your ethics may not align with your client's ethics, how do you address it where you can protect them and you could abide by the law and be this type of gatekeeper where your own personal ethics may be different than your client's? Do you still take on the case? And uh, when you take on the case, how do you address sort of uh, maneuvering through those conflicts?
1: Well, Beth, first of all, I should say that I am absolutely not an expert in ethics. Um, There are certainly people that have an expertise in that area. I'm familiar, obviously, with the ethics that I deal with on a day-to-day basis. One conflict that is kind of a classic ethical dilemma for criminal defense attorneys is the scenario where a client might want to get on the stand and lie. Uh, For example, I know that this person did X, Y, Z, but they want to get on the stand and say the opposite. So what the bar tells us we need to do is to actually notify the court. But it's tricky because there is also an ethical rule that I have to represent my clients zealously. And I can't do anything that would put them in a bad light in front of the judge. So the answer typically is to file a motion to withdraw, but perhaps not saying the reason that I need to withdraw. I have actually avoided that in my career to the extent possible. I think I've only filed, and for different reasons, um, I believe two motions to withdraw as counsel for ethical reasons. Um, So I think the way I handle it in those situations is I counsel the client And mostly I tell the client very frankly that I don't think that a witness who lies is a good witness and that they're not going to look good. Their best option is for us to put their case in the light most favorable to them with the facts that we have. And if they absolutely can't
0: testify, then that's really the better option for them. Thank you so much. It really does show some parallels in um, corporate compliance world in that we call it a noisy withdrawal. So if you get to the point where you're not able to be a gatekeeper, and you, and particularly if it's a publicly traded company, you do have some obligations. Whether um, just depends on the scenario. It could be self-reporting during a quarterly or an annual compliance report. It could be that there is an internal controls review by an accounting firm, but as compliance officers, um, depending on how large an organization, it can be hundreds of times each year they have to certify that they didn't have that conflict like you described. And I think what most of our audience um, would say is they try and do the same thing, which is counsel the clients, put themselves in their shoes. So this way you can really build a rapport. In my book, uh, Triple Bottom Line Compliance, How to Deliver Protection, Productivity, and Impact, I I go over some of this, which is you're much better um, not withdrawing, as over 25 years you've had it less than a handful of times, and instead trying to really help your client help themselves. Um, Now, when you think about starting out in your field, and you think about the fact that you had a lot of great academic training, um, and then you think about, you know, academic training on a compliance, uh, excuse me, ethics perspective or conflicts perspective just isn't the same as a real-life scenario. Maybe you can share with us how you learned along the way. Was it mentors? Was it learning on the job? Any tips that you would have for, I'll call them young gatekeepers, whether uh, they're part of the legal process on the criminal or civil side as to how they can make sure that they prepare themselves so they use that good judgment that you've used when you get into those tight corners? Because using that good judgment can be difficult.
1: You know, Beth, that's a very interesting question. I'm not sure exactly how I learned what I have learned. I can tell you that, obviously, the D.C. Bar requires training. We have mandatory ethical training. So you learn the basic rules, but you're right. You really don't learn it until you're in it. And the couple times that I've had very serious ethical questions, I've actually called the D.C. Bar um, council line for advice on what they suggest. I've looked at the rules and I have talked to practitioners about what they've done in their own personal situations. But I do want to say one final note, which is that after all these years looking back, I think that most attorneys will tell you that the attorneys that are ethical are more well-respected and that when you're young, sometimes it appears that the people that kind of shortcut the rules are, are getting ahead, but as you advance in your career, you see that they're really not, and in the end, they're found out to be
0: what they are. So interesting. Yeah, it's like you have a lifeline. So we do talk a lot about building a network, and the network are others that are similarly situated like other lawyers. So this way, you're not making important decisions, particularly when conflicts or ethical issues come up on your own. So it's great they have a hotline. It's great. um, I imagine at court when you're there and you're in court a lot that you have a really great support group there of the attorneys. Um, we do call it in, um, in corporate compliance world, it's called fudge factor thinking. And you sort of just hit on it, which is you can rationalize for yourself as to why what you're doing is okay. So from an ethics perspective, one would act unethically because they'd say, well, everyone else does it. Um, and there really aren't any victims. And I would imagine almost daily um, criminal defense attorneys could uh, potentially hit up against that. So I love your perspective on the, on the long view uh, and that over time, credibility, reputation um, really, does, um, really, really does sustain your ability to have a great career and to help people. Um, thank you so much for your time, Andrea. Any any uh, parting words for um, young gatekeepers out there? When you could think of a time when um, you really needed some inspiration, was um, did you did you end up either networking and finding a mentor? Uh, was it just something in your personal life that kept you going to make sure that you were able to keep up um, the good fight? Because 25 years is a long time, and I will thank you for your public service. And then um are some of your final words.
1: So, Beth, I think um, the inspiration is that you have to love what you do, and as much as I might complain, I do love what I do, and I love making sure that people's rights are protected. So I think probably in your world of compliance, Um, Loving what you do is important, but finding a mentor and finding people like you who've been in the business a lot of years and can read books like you've written to get this kind of advice, that's what, what young attorneys should do.
0: Thank you so much for your
1: time. Thanks, Beth. Thanks for having me.